you know, if we can start to better understand our athletes and as coaches be able to better communicate in a way that resonates with them, you know, it's such a powerful thing because just like with training, if we can start to give them one or two cues or with nutrition goals, all of a sudden they achieve that. But then you get that, like you mentioned, that trickle down effect of other things get better. So you're just raising the playing field and it gets easier then and you got some momentum to be able to do the next thing. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Dr. Mark Bubbs. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, let you know what's new in my neck of the woods, and let's start with the first and foremost thing. I'm actually recording this on Valentine's Day, so I hope you and yours and all your significant others had an amazing Valentine's Day. Keeping it pretty low-key. Around here, the kids unfortunately have school all day. Uh, I'm going to try and make them an amazing Valentine's dinner because nothing says love like freshly grilled burgers on the grill. So they're unaware that that's going to happen, but burgers are never a bad thing for them. So I'm going to hit them with the best burgers that I have tonight and hopefully they enjoy it. So Happy Valentine's Day, a little bit of kind of what happened this weekend. It was a great sports weekend for us, man. Cade got his first bucket in basketball. If you follow me on Instagram, you can go and watch the actual video. I don't know if anybody has ever been more excited about getting a bucket. I mean, look, he's kind of struggled a little bit with the sport this year. I love the man. Uh, He's actually got some skills, like he's a decent ball handler. He's a good shooter. He's got good touch. Claims he doesn't like it, but go watch this video on my Instagram feed and tell me this guy doesn't like basketball. He is so hyped to get a bucket, and I was just so happy for him, man. Like, you know, he's not the most aggressive kid out there, but, you know, I'm hoping over time he starts to enjoy, you know, even if he doesn't love basketball, he just enjoys sports. We've talked about it so many times on this show. Like, I just think sports are such a great way to learn the lessons of life. And so it was fun to watch him do that, fun to see that celebration, and hopefully that builds a little bit of confidence and he continues to enjoy it more and more. So that was really fun. Kendall's indoor team had a soccer game yesterday. Pretty easy team. They were like a house team. They didn't look like they had uh, played very much either individually or collectively. So it was a pretty easy game for our team, but love seeing the development of our girls, man. Just seeing the things that they're doing now, like I've worked with them basically since the fall and watching them start to pick their head up, um, be conscious of players coming at them, of picking their head up to find the next pass, to see who's open, striking the ball with more confidence. I mean, Kendall got two more goals yesterday. I don't think of her as a goal scorer. She's very good on the ball, dribbling, passing, but man, she found the, the back of the net two times yesterday, so that was really fun. As you know, Kendall had her birthday a couple weeks ago. This has been like the longest, most drawn out birthday of all time because, you know, we had the seminar in in Orlando. So I kind of missed, I don't want to say her birthday weekend, but we didn't have her party last weekend. So she had stuff like a week and a half before her birthday. She had her birthday and then we actually had her party this past weekend. So that was super fun. She had like eight or nine of her best girlfriends. We went bowling. Shocking. Like there were numerous girls 10, 11 years old that have never bowled before. So it was actually a lot of fun. I love bowling. Uh, I'm not great, but I'm not awful. I have no idea how to hook a ball. I feel like I would just destroy my wrist doing that. So if I've got any serious bowlers on the podcast, 
uh, that listen to the podcast, let me know how you do that because I'm very intrigued by that. So, man, that's basically what happened this past weekend and week. It was a great one uh, as far as this week goes. Got the usual, got coaching stuff. But what I'm most excited about right now is this complete coach seminar. So if you haven't checked it out, I'll make sure I put a link in the show notes. But man, I'm ready to get back to live events. Like I'm tired of doing stuff through Zoom. Uh, I love mentoring people, but through Zoom, again, not the most optimal way to do it. So Andy McCloy and I had been going back and forth on this for a couple months. We finally decided we got to pull the trigger. So March 11th, 12th, and 13th in Huntsville, Alabama, I'm going to be doing a two and a half day course where we dive in on all things Complete Coach. And the thing that I'm most excited about with this seminar is it's going to be very interactive. I hate going to courses or I hate going to seminars and you're just getting lectured to for two, two and a half days. Like you don't learn great. You get tired. You get bored. It just makes things incredibly long and mundane. So this seminar is going to be all about learning while we're doing, applying and using context to get more out of the learning experience. So for example, one of the things we're going to do is take one of the attendees step by step through all phases of the process, right? So we're going to start by taking them in and we're going to assess them. We're going to figure out what do they do well? What do they not do well? What are their goals? What do we need to do from a programming perspective to help them feel like they're being successful? So we're going to dive in. We're going to do a live assessment. From there, we're going to work as a team. We're going to create a program on a whiteboard, break it down. What do we like about it? What do we not like about it? What exercises are best? How do you take all the theory that you've learned from those program design courses and put it into a real live program. And then the final piece, we're going to dive in and we're going to coach each other because not everybody looks the same. Not everybody moves the same. So how do you take various clients, various athletes and choose the best exercises for them or give them the best possible coaching cues so that they move the way you intend for them to move? So I'll be honest, like I'm beyond excited about this. It's my first time trying this kind of format because it's going to be very dynamic, very organic. Like I'm not going to sit there with rehearsed stuff for two and a half days because it's not fun for me as a presenter and I guarantee it's not fun for you as an attendee. So if you're interested, it's an incredibly long URL slash website. So I apologize for that, but it's completecoachcertification.com forward slash complete hyphen coach hyphen seminar. So again, don't try and remember all that. I'll put a link in the show notes, but if you're interested, definitely consider attending because not only do you get to attend the seminar, but when you book, you also get immediate access to the complete coach certification online portal and materials as well. So I feel like it's a great deal. We're going to learn a ton. We're going to have a ton of fun. It's just going to be an amazing experience. All right. I have rambled enough. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome episode with my guy, Mark Bubbs. One thing Bill Hartman and I have talked about for years now is the power of mentorship. Early on, I didn't have a mentor to shape or guide me, or most importantly, help me find the blind spots in my own training and coaching. But luckily, after many years of trial and error, I found Bill, and my professional success exploded as a result. But the downside to the mentorship process, at least professionally, is that it can be pricey. For private mentees that I work with, it costs anywhere from $3.99 to $5.99 per month to work together. And while I know the results go far beyond that price, 
The fact of the matter is that just won't work for a lot of folks. So when Bill and I sat down a while back, we asked ourselves a really tough question. How can we help shape the future of the industry and truly make it great? And beyond that, how can we create amazing content yet make it affordable to virtually every trainer or coach out there? And the answer for us was simple, restart iFast University. Here's what you'll get when you become a member of iFast University. One update each month from myself and Bill. This could cover anything from improving exercise technique to writing better programs and everything in between. Twice per month Q&As, where Bill and I will personally answer your questions to help you become better at training, coaching, or even running your fitness business. A Facebook group where you'll be surrounded by like-minded trainers and coaches who are serious about getting better, and access to the iFastU archives, where you'll be able to watch literally hundreds of pieces of content from the iFast team over the years. This blend of content and Q&A is specifically designed to help make you the best trainer or coach possible. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to ifastuniversity.com to get signed on. We'd love to have you on board. Dr. Mark Bubbs is a naturopathic doctor, performance nutrition lead for Canada Basketball, and performance nutrition consultant for a portfolio of professional and Olympic athletes. Mark also hosts the Performance Nutrition Podcast, connecting listeners with world-leading experts in human performance and health, and regularly speaks at health, fitness, and medical conferences across North America, UK, and Europe, and practices in both Toronto, Canada, and London, England. In this show, Dr. Bubbs and I dive into the world of nutrition in basketball, but honestly, the advice here could be applied across numerous sports. We start by talking about his approach to assessments and introducing nutrition into a program without putting people off and stepping on toes. We talk about the roles of the various macros and why carbohydrates shouldn't be vilified and feared if you're a performance athlete. And last but not least, we talk about dialing up or dialing down calories based on body composition and how to help athletes achieve their ideal body weight. I always love having Mark on this show, and I think you're going to absolutely love this episode. But enough for me. Let's do this. Mark, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you back on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Listen, I appreciate you uh, carving out some time as well. Uh, I'm the Director of Performance Nutrition for Canada Basketball. I consult with you know athletes in, in different sports as well, and you know, for the last 20 years working in clinical practice and and thinking about this human performance question and how athletes can perform better, but also how the rest of us at work and home can can perform better. So yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty cool ride over the last 20 years to see how much nutrition's gained space in the public consciousness versus 20 years ago when we we're <laughs> trying to convince people to eat better. That's right. I love it, man. And obviously you've been on the show. It's been uh, at least a year or two, like we were talking pre-show. It's like the pandemic has skewed all timelines yeah, that we exactly. had before. It's a time like, warp. It is, it is. But what's new since the last time you came on? Yeah, we've been diving into uh, some building out some performance nutrition courses. So we have one for American football or f- football, obviously, and then uh, just started one for for basketball. And so this, you know, it's been kind of cool trying to upskill coaches, SNC coaches, practitioners with, you know, not just what's in the evidence base of what we should be prescribing, but also, right. you know, the nuances, the bits that fall in between the cracks, which I know you see a lot as a, you know, as a strength coach of like, Hey, this is how we're supposed to do it. But this person presents a little bit differently than what they do in the textbook. Now, what do I do? And yes. so it's been fun to be working with, uh, 
some different experts in the NBA, like Marie Spano and Alex Auerbach, who's a performance psychologist, and uh, also some EuroLeague sports scientists to get a real kind of full spectrum uh, view of the problem. Dude, that's awesome. And it's funny, we are we are talking uh, amongst ourselves this past weekend. I was at a fitness conference in Orlando and just talking about how differently certain people use their time during the pandemic, right? And I don't want to yes. derail the show right off the <laughs> yes. bat, but you have some people that are just yes. in the tank, but then you have other people like yourself. You're creating courses. I think Martin Rooney wrote like two books. He didn't just wow. write, I think he wrote two books during the <laughs> pandemic. So it's like, you know, you kind of take the the cards that you're dealt and you do the best. So it's cool to hear about that, man. It's cool that you're doing all that great stuff. And I've got three girls at home and I think Martin's got five, if I'm not oh wrong. It might God. be four, but I think it might be five. That's crazy. He's a <laughs> savage, man. That's that's awesome. Okay. So obviously I want to talk to you about nutrition for basketball today. And yeah. I know it's pretty niche, but I also realize that, you know, the foundational stuff that we talk about here today can be extrapolated to a lot of different sports. So 100%. For starters, let's say you're prescribing a nutritional program for someone, spe- specifically in this case, a basketball player. Do you have yeah. like a base range of macros or like a starting point or how does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot like a strength coach, strength and conditioning coach might have their athlete come in and, and look at how the athlete moves before they decide kind of what they're going to, what tools they're going to use, what strategies to get them you know, stronger, faster, moving better. Similarly, with nutrition, we want to start with that idea of, you know, what are the physical demands? What are the energy systems involved in that sport? And so this is where, you know, we're talking basketball now, but this will cross over to, you know, soccer or football or or whatever other sport. But having a good understanding, and obviously basketball is a a pretty active sport. There's a lot of accelerations, decelerations, energy expenditures up in the four or 5,000 calories. And so when you get that high, we need to be fueling, obviously, we know, as we increase our exercise intensity, then our reliance on carbohydrates goes up. Yep. So we need carbohydrate. And when we're trying to hit these four or 5,000 calories, I mean, you can't really do that with fat either. So we need to, right. so this is where carbohydrates become really important. And we see the range for basketball players being, you know, in that five to seven grams per kilogram body weight per day, you know, which is a lot, right? This right. is if you've got an 80, 80 kilogram, you know, 180 pound, 185 pound athlete, we're talking over 500 grams of carbs. And <laughs> as, as you know, That's the challenge today, if you look on social media or if, you, if we're talking about general health, you know, I wouldn't have someone who's 20 pounds overweight who's trying to, you know, high blood sugar or blood pressure consuming that many carbohydrates. But again, you know, context really drives everything. And I think this is where it's, uh, you know, it gets difficult even for practitioners or s coaches who are kind of in both worlds, as many of us are working with general population, but also working with athletes to really focus in on that context because we've got to, we got to fuel, you know, fuel for the demands and basketball, the demands are pretty darn high. Yeah. So talk to me about that because this was a great point. We talked about this a little bit in your first show, but I'm so fascinated by this because, you know, athletes are, you know, we're responsive to the things that we see every day, right? So when we see the person with six packs or eight packs and they're on social media and they're talking about how they did it on keto or they're on a very low carb diet, yeah. right? Like they're getting these mixed messages. So they're thinking, oh, well, that's what they do. That's what I should do. So how do you kind of unpack that for them and help them better understand like, hey, look, you're not going to perform at your highest level if you aren't fueling yourself with carbohydrates appropriately. Yeah, it's a challenging one because, you know, as humans, we have this sort of default heuristic of just if we see something and it, it kind of looks like they know what they're talking about or someone's lean or, or can lift a lot of weights, well, then 
you know, this, this assumption that they know what they're talking about in terms right. of nutrition or lifting seems to be the default. Right. And certainly it can be the case, but the challenge with kind of physique competitors or building for physique and sports, as you know, is that just the energy demands in sport are so much higher. I mean, it's not even close, even a workout that feels difficult for an hour is nowhere near what you'd expend on a soccer field for two hours or a basketball court. Right. Yes. And so the biggest challenge becomes we want our athletes to eat whole foods and real foods, but we also need to get them to some of these totals, particularly on days where they're doing a lot of work. And so we might use more simple sugars or juices or things that in the general population, we tell them, you know, not to do. Right. But in this active population, well, how do we get 120 or 40 grams of carbohydrates in immediately after training? Well, geez, it helps if we use some, some juice or, Hey, if kids are going to eat some sugar anyway, let's put it right after training so we can actually hit some of these totals. And again, it's that interesting, you know, that dichotomy between general population, we're trying to get people in general, not to snack as much and to avoid a lot of the sugary stuff because it makes you hungry. Right. Whereas if we have athletes who try to eat more frequently, Hey, we use cereal in the morning because there's 150 grams of carbohydrates. And what happens when you eat cereal two or three hours later, you're starving again for something else to eat. And so right. it's a great way to get kids or athletes to be consuming more. Um, but of course, you know, that's all within a, a full day's fueling and, and not every meal has to be this kind of nutrient dense explosion. I mean, we're going to have meals that are more greens and et cetera. But uh, I think that's the hardest part for a lot of dietitians, nutritionists and S&C coaches is just the fact that sometimes we think every single meal has got to be, you know, this cornucopia of vitamins <laughs> and nutrients where we're right. dealing with athletes. We need to get the fuel in. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's interesting, too. So. Something I've realized over the years is that the longer you coach, and this is going to show my age here, but the longer you coach, the further you get away from the sports that you played, right? So here's what I mean by that. Like, I haven't played really competitive basketball for like 15, 20 years now, right? Like, easily. So I think the longer <laughs> you're right, right. So it's like the further you get away from it, the less perspective you have on the demands of it. So here recently, I've been going and just working out. We've got a great skills trainer here, Joey Burton, works with high-level guys, college pros. So what I've tried to do a handful of times, I'm going to go and do what my guys do, right? Or my gals do. Yeah. I'm going to go and I'm going to get a lift in, 45 minutes to an hour. Then I'm going to go put in an hour on the court. Like, yeah. if you haven't done that in 10, 15, 20 years, exactly, right? Like, the end of the day, you're just like, oh, my God. You're just, like, so exhausted, but you're also ravenous. Like you don't realize how much energy is expended when you're doing that. So I think, man, if you've been away from that, like going back and diving into what that feels like gives you some of that much needed perspective back. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, you know, that consistency is the big key when it comes to lifting or nutrition. And one of the reasons why we need to hit this energy intake, which is really the biggest signal, you know, when we yep. think signal versus noise, I mean, energy intake is really the big signal that's telling us to build and recover or break down. If we fail to do that over the course of weeks and months, then all of a sudden our immune system doesn't work as well. Now we're catching colds and flu. We're feeling run down. Now you can't train to the same level or intensity or recover or perform as well. And so it's it's definitely one of those ones where it's 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 a challenge even at the top level, as you know, you, NBA players were getting into the all-star break now. That's a long stretch and guys and gals in the WNBA, when you get tired over months, it's harder to, to get all that food in, especially if you've been, you know, when eating becomes like a full-time job. And so, you know, that energy intake, so the total calories, 
protein intake being key. And then, you know, carbohydrates do have a direct impact on immune function, meaning if you don't get enough and you're really active or really athletic, your actual, your immune system will be compromised and you'll be more likely to be struggling with, with colds and flus. And, you know, unfortunately these days, potentially COVID-19, right? Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me about just getting started with somebody, right? So let's say, again, you're in this Canada basketball situation, but imagine you're going anywhere, right? And you have to kind of take stock and assess an entire team. Like what's your entry point there? Because we know as strength and conditioning coaches, if you go in, you like try and put your stamp on everything and this is how we do things. Doesn't always get the best response. (laughs) It can go go two ways, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like what is your intake or your assessment process look like? And how do you kind of, kind of find those entry points to start having some success and making inroads with your athletes? It's a great question. And it's definitely one where the longer the runway, the better, right? Because ultimately, you know, as much as training, we need a lot of time, you know, at least with training, they're showing up and you're going to sort of tell them what you want them to do. Unfortunately, if you want to say with nutrition, we're changing their behaviors of how they just their standard operating procedures, which makes it challenging. And, you know, traditionally we give these sort of diet plans, like here's, here's your, what you should do for the day or the week. And while that's certainly still a part of it, you're finding that just building out the behaviors you want is a better way to create some of the, the habit change that you need. So for example, starting with just the top of the day. So a lot of young athletes skip breakfast and struggle with even a mid-morning snack and even guys playing at the highest level. And so just getting that off to the right start, you know, can you cook at home? Can you eat four eggs or five eggs in the morning? Is it going to be a protein shake that we're going to use? Okay, what are we going to put in there? But just becoming consistent with that, really, it's the meal frequency. If we can get that, you know, breakfast, snack a.m., lunch, snack p.m., dinner, late snack, just a nice rhythm. So there's this constant fueling coming in. And typically with that, we we make sure we're hitting that protein target with those snacks and meals. Now you've really got the scaffolding to sort of increase, ratchet up or decrease ratchet down the energy or carbohydrates depending on the day or what you're doing because you know the meal's already there the pattern's already there but taking your time with it and i like to start top of the day give athletes just a couple things to do so that at the end of a week we're doing them well we're not you know giving them eight things to do and at the end of a month we're doing all eight poorly or not at all (laughs) yeah i love it and and i think that's just a universal thing right it's like when you go in the gym I always tell interns, you're not trying to fix the 10 things that you see that are wrong, right? Like find the one. I always think of it like a keystone or like like a domino type cue where it's like, hey, if I fix this one thing, a lot of other good things are going to happen. And it sounds like you're doing much the same when it comes to their nutrition. Exactly. And this is where it's like if you just get the meal frequency and that daily protein target. So oftentimes when we talk protein, we talk the three T's. So your, your total daily intake, the timing, which is dividing it through the day and the type eating a lot of different varieties. And that's really amazing because we know in the research that if we increase protein intake, we actually get a nice increase in all the micronutrients. So the vitamins, the minerals that you're trying to bump up are naturally going to start to rise up as well. And that's a really nice way to be able to, again, set that foundation, because depending if your athlete needs a lot of carbohydrate or less, or if they want to have higher or lower fat meals, it becomes a lot easier to do once your athlete's used to eating at those times versus trying to introduce, you know, a new timing of saying, hey, you've got to eat this meal here, because that's always the toughest part of just changing someone's routine, whether you're a high school kid or even as as weird as it might sound in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, that's why I'm, I'm not nearly the savage that you are. I feel like nutrition is such a challenging 
game to play because again, with training, sometimes there's preconceived notions, but not nearly to the same degree as nutrition, right? These are things that they've been doing their entire lives and there's habits involved. There's emotional ties to certain foods. So, I mean, you guys are just like in such deep waters, like from the second (laughs) you get in and start working with somebody, it's gotta be tough. Well, that was actually one of the reasons with the, with the basketball performance nutrition course, we've got on board Alex Auerbach, who's a performance psychologist in mm. the NBA, and, and Bryce Tully is with us at Canada Basketball. And to be able to embed some of these, you know, mindset skills and ways of building habits, especially for coaches to be able to appreciate, just like you're saying, okay, I know it's important and I want my athlete to do it, but that doesn't mean that they know it's important and it right. doesn't even mean that they want to do it. So how do we start to bridge that gap because ultimately we're going to have to make them change some of those behaviors. And yeah, the nice part of the gym is you can kind of show someone that they're not good at a movement or a, right. their strength. And, and that tends to flip the switch pretty quick. I'm like, geez, I gotta, I gotta improve here. Whereas nutrition, especially with the younger athletes for a lot of them, Hey, if they're highly skilled and they're, they're young, they're not really feeling some of the effects, but there's, you know, those effects come down the road, especially if we under fuel for years at a time. Yeah that predisposes to some of these kind of random injuries where somebody, you know, a non-contact injury where, you know, soft tissue gets impacted ligaments, et cetera. So definitely, you know, if we can start to better understand our athletes and as coaches be able to better communicate in a way that resonates with them, you know, it's such a powerful thing because just like with training, if we can start to give them one or two cues or with nutrition goals, all of a sudden they achieve that. But then you get that, like you mentioned, that trickle down effect of, other things get better. So you're just raising the playing field and it gets easier then and you got some momentum to be able to do the next thing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Okay, so the next two topics are kind of geared towards weight gain and weight loss because one mm-hmm. thing that maybe they don't realize it initially, but there's kind of like this window with most athletes of what we would describe as their ideal playing weight, right? Some guys need to get a little bigger. Some guys need to trim down. And I know I've had a handful of like your skinny, I'm going to use air quotes here, hard gainers, (laughs) if you will. And look, man, it's tough to get them to put on body weight or body mass. These are the guys you take them out to lunch and like you're done and they're still like picking at the first five bites of their (laughs) meal. So for these types of guys or gals, what tips or tricks do you have to kind of help them out and start trying to add a little bit of size to their frame? Another great question. This is... uh... You know, we see this a lot. We got to get, especially in basketball, with the, yeah. with the somatotypes that we get of these well, longer, lengthier players, but then some really, you know, solid, solid players as well. And if you can achieve that meal frequency and protein intake that we talked about before, now it's a matter of, of you know, ratcheting up and down the energy. And, and typically, that's just going to come from carbohydrates. You know, the fats in somebody's diet stay pretty consistent without, you know, you're not adding a lot of supplemental fats unless you've got a an athlete who's down the kind of keto realm, but right. most intent and purposes, the fats stay pretty, pretty similar. So really you've got to play around with those carbohydrates. And it's just, if you're struggling to add weight, especially if you've got a younger athlete, I mean, growth and development is going to take up a lot of caloric intake just on its own. Yep. And so we've seen research in, in elite soccer players in the UK that are in these academies and they're requiring, you know, four and a half, 5,000 calories a day. Wow. And so this is where we got to really start to ratchet up a lot of the foods that we're telling the sedentary kids and the, and the grade schools not to eat. And that's where it gets to be a challenge for sometimes coaches or, or S and C, but you know, juice is a great one. Like apple juice is mixing that together. We can get 60, 80, hundred grams of carbohydrates as a way to oh, wow. be able to tr- drink that, you know, 
immediately before or, or after training. You know, when we're consuming our carbohydrates, rices and pastas are typically more dense. Yep. You know, so for a, a cup of cooked rice, we're getting about 45 grams of carbs. Whereas if you just had white potatoes, you're down to 20, 25 grams of carbs. So you're actually right. having half as much energy, which again, for the weight loss client, is kind of a nice swap. Yeah. But for the athlete, we got to try to st steer more towards some of those more dense ones of the, the rices and the pastas. And ultimately around the exercise, I mean, this is where if young athletes or anyone in particular is going to have a treat or candy or whatever else, you know, we tend to have it late at night, which yeah. is kind of the worst time to have it, right? <laughs> right. It's going to interfere with sleep. We're going to get this big glucose spike, which isn't helpful. So let's move that up in the day and have it around exercise. Again, it might not be our gold standard of what we should have kind of pre, during, or post, but if we are looking for extra fuel, if it's something that they're going to consume anyway at particular times of the week, you know, creating that association around kind of immediately pre or post is going to be a lot more helpful than the other association, which is kind of the, you know, the Netflix and end of day, you know, <laughs> right. on, on the couch, which doesn't really help too much. Right. Okay. So I've got you here, so I don't want to be like a bro, but I, I, in my experience, right, when I've had these types of players, I've also found that like you alluded to apple juice, sometimes like liquids and shakes are another way to kind of trick them into getting more calories because yeah. I mean, they just get, they physically get tired of eating, right? Like, and you're watching them again. It's painful to watch them eat for 30, 40 minutes. So any thoughts on that? I mean, is that just a total bro thing? Or is that something that you would implore them to use? Like, hey, maybe this is something you can use to get more calories in. Absolutely. I mean, that's one where, you know, we talk carbohydrates, but for again, that hard gainer, we need energy. And so right. the energy is coming from the carbohydrates and the fats. And this is where, hey, cereal is a great way to get a lot of carbohydrates. Let's put some full fat milk on there. Let's put some cream on there. Whatever's bringing on board more fats is going to really help, right. you know, get that olive oil out and pour it all over, <laughs> you know, pour, pour it all over the actual meal that they're having, because then we can get some real dense caloric intake without a lot of, you know, if you actually eggs on a, if you weigh eggs or olive oil, like it doesn't weigh much of anything. And you see this with a lot of uh, boxers, MMA fighters, where when they're reducing, you know, they're, they're getting leaner for a weigh in. They're still able to bring on board significant calories because, you know, a tablespoon of olive oil versus a head of broccoli, if you're not, if you're to hold them, weigh a lot different. And so right. that's that's one that's helpful for the for the basketball players. You know, where can we get the fats in? Let's start cooking with some more some more fats in the in the pan. Let's start adding more on top. Let's go to more of the full fat yogurts and the full fat milks and those types of things to be able to ramp up that that energy intake. I love it. Okay, so now let's flip this whole thing on its head. And I'm sure we've all had athletes where they're actually above their ideal playing weight and they need to, to trim down a little bit. Now, here's the tricky part with this, especially if it's like preseason or they're in season, like you've alluded to, like we, we need to balance the energy intake, right? Like we need to make sure they're fueling for their sport, but also kind of simultaneously helping them tri trim down. So what strategies do you have there? What advice do you have for somebody that has an athlete like that? Yeah, and that, that can be a tricky one, even at the highest level, because again, we get so stuck into like, hey, team sport athletes need four to seven grams of carbohydrate per kilogram. And so we're going to prescribe that every every single day. Getting back to the idea of this meal frequency piece, inherently as humans, we sometimes, you know, we tend to think that if we're losing weight, we're going to eat, we're going to eat less, we're going to eat fewer meals, right? right? Which isn't very helpful when you're very active, you know? Protein intake is going to help to protect muscle mass. It's also going to help to, you know, protect some of those drops in immunity and, and bring on board the nutrients that we need to keep athletes going. So 
keeping that protein intake up and at least a gram per pound if we're trying to get leaner, yeah. oftentimes higher up to, you know, a little bit higher than that or 2.7 grams per kilo if you like to use uh, metric there. From there, we're going to ratchet down energy intake. And so this is where picking our spots, whether it's parts of the day or certain days a week of being able to really reduce energy intake. So dropping the carbohydrates and dropping the fats. And if you've got a team sport athlete, you're probably going to need some days where that, like you periodize your, your training or your conditioning, you got to periodize the nutrition now a little bit and have some days where we're, we're dropping energy intake below what the, what the athlete needs, but we're doing this in a very planned and purposeful way, not just in a, a random way. And then that way, at the end of a week, we're going to have that energy deficit for the week. But within that, there'll be days where there's sufficient caloric intake, or maybe even a little bit more to be able to cope with those, those high intensity, those high energy days. Yeah. No, I can totally envision that, right? Like you can't just bottom somebody out on the day when they have their highest intensity practice and they lift and all that. Like that's not a, a recipe for success. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then they, they can't perform as well. We're not getting the adaptations that we're after. And that just becomes, you know, circling the drain basically is the analogy. <laughs> Eventually they just start going down and down. We get into the state of what we call low energy availability. And now uh, they're just going to struggle with energy and, and mental focus and all that type of stuff. Hmm. Okay, cool. All right. So one more question here. So we obviously live in this day and age where supplements are commonplace and everyone and their brother and their mother has a supplement they're promoting to help athletes get an edge. So when it comes to your basketball players, I'm curious, are there any like must have supplements in your book? This is, I mean, this is an interesting one because supplements are, you know, we always talk about food first approach and nutrition, which is tremendous, but supplements play a key role in the story, especially when we're trying to achieve, you know, certain levels of performance. And with some of the context that we described here of the hard gainers, the supplements are really like portable nutrition, right? right? It's like rather than having to cook up a meal every time, if we can use some of these things. So I think for a lot of the younger athletes, you know, the supplemental protein, so a nice whey protein, whey protein isolate or a plant-based protein if if you prefer, but then supplemental carbohydrates, because that's mm. that's one where we're going to get that 60, 80, 100 grams in a very convenient and very palatable, you know, form factor. So it's easy to drink, it goes down well, but it's, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the sport drinks that we have now aren't formulated in a way that the gut's going to be very happy, right? We have this combination right. of glucose and fructose, and I'm sure you've experienced, if you drink too much of it, you're just going to feel... It's not pleasant. <laughs> it's not pleasant. You're going, to, yeah. you're going to feel the water sloshing around. And so those carbohydrate formulas are great because they go in and out very quickly and you're not going to experience that same type of thing. So that's a nice place to start because it hits that energy total that we talked about. Yep. And then from there, I mean, creatine's tremendous. You know, obviously it's going to help not only with building a lot of the qualities in the, in the gym, but the recovery aspect is something that gets overlooked. Oftentimes I'll, you know, if I've got a good runway with an athlete, especially a younger athlete, I might hold that back for a little bit just to, as a carrot to get them to actually engage in some of the nutrition strategies and habits that we sure. want them to do. And then, and then layer that on, but those would be some great places to start. And of course, you know, if you live in a city with a real winter climate, then obviously vitamin D getting a couple thousand IU, because when we talk about things like we always think of immunity, but exercise induced muscle damage, right? All that from all that intense training, vitamin D plays a key role uh, in helping to ameliorate that. And so when you combine your way, now you're having some vitamin D, maybe some fish oils as well. All those things are going to help on that recovery side. I love it. Okay. So I have one more specific supplement I would love to hear your thoughts on. So yeah, collagen, right? I feel like collagen is a very hot 
supplement right now, especially in the basketball world, when you hear about ACLs and Achilles ruptures and all this stuff, is there a role for collagen? And if so, like, where do you see it fitting into kind of your supplement hierarchy, if you will? Yeah, I mean, collagen's got a really interesting role. I mean, it's it's not a complete protein. So some athletes and trainers get a little bit confused because we don't want to count it in the protein intake of the day for the athlete. You know, it's very specific to connective tissue. And of course, Keith Barr's workout at UC Davis. I mean, when we're getting to 15, 20 gram dose about an hour before exercise or rehab, we get some pretty, pretty nice effects on tendon strength and thickness. The big caveat here is that if you're eating enough protein in the day, you've got enough bricks, right? The collagen really isn't going to be doing that much more for you. And so this is where, you know, the coach or the nutritionist is going to have to, you know, have a good sense of the athlete because if we only have so much in the supplement budget and we're spending it on collagen, but they're already hitting their protein intake, then we might do better to be going over to look at some of the things like the vitamin D or the creatine or the fish oils, that type of thing. Okay. Um, You know, if your athlete's coming off of an injury, you know, that would be more of that specific place where we can then use it in that, rehab setting an hour before to help accelerate some of that healing. But uh, if they are hitting that daily total and dividing it through the day, then you're going to get a lot less bang for your buck, really. Okay. So it's more of like a, hey, like a really targeted, if this is something you specifically need for whatever reason, plug it in more there than on a global scale. Yeah. Yeah. And I think obviously teams do it as just sort of an insurance policy because now sure. it comes in kind of convenient drinks and whatnot. So, hey, in case our athlete isn't hitting their protein total, or, you know, with things like travel, now all of a sudden you have that drink and it goes down. So, you know, but as you know, I mean, resources aren't an issue at, at the highest level. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, no, not a problem. But for the, for the rest of us or for younger athletes, it's all about kind of getting the biggest bang for your buck with, with how you're going to spend that, uh, that supplement budget. I love it. Okay. So we've already done the big question. So I'm going to take this final question in a, in a different direction. What is one thing that you've learned in recent memory that has made a massive impact on your approach as a coach? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's interesting. In the last kind of five years or so, I've been getting more, obviously being in nutrition, you naturally gravitate more towards the mindset and the mental performance. And then having three young kids at home, (laughs) you really start start trying to figure out how to influence behavior and whatnot. And I think one of the big things that really stood out for me was this idea that we tend to operate as, as humans on this idea of like, you know, I, I feel a certain way, I'm motivated. And then I engage in the action, which is, hey, I'm going to train. And then the final step there is that identity of, you know, you feel good, you feel like a pro. And when you talk to, you know, performance psychologists and, and mental performance coaches, we actually want the opposite. You know, we want to start with the identity. We right. want to start with the idea that I'm the type of person who, right? And then the identity drives the action of, and I'm the type of person who then goes to the gym, lifts, et cetera. And then the action drives the feeling, which is, mm-hmm. it's sort of simple on the surface, but when you really start to dig into it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty deep in a sense of it's, yeah, as you know, it's tough to get up every day and train with these athletes. It's tough to be able to find that consistency. And if we're always having to rely on how we feel or our mood, yes. especially in this kind of social media world that we live in, that's a tough place to, to, to be at. And so that's a big one for me that starting with that identity and, you know, doing some exercises that, you know, and there's lots of little drills people can do to st- start to really forge that identity of, who, you know, who you are as a person and what's important to you. Because I think for any of us, athletes in particular as well, but for any of us, the more clarity we can have on that, all of a sudden, 
you know, being able to execute on some of these actions that we want and then being able to, to maintain that in the long run really helps. So that's, that's, that's an area that I've been, you know, really leaning into in the last uh, year or so. Dude, I really like, really like that because if you followed like mindset, uh, mindfulness, visualization, all that stuff, they always talk about thinking of yourself in the present tense, right? Like mm -hmm. I am this person that I want to become. And you're saying the same thing. It's a little bit different, but like having the identity first and letting the identity drive the actions is huge because look, how many days do we roll out of bed? This is my favorite thing. Like people assume, oh, you're a trainer. You're motivated to work out all the time, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you, you work the in nutrition. caricature of a trainer. Yeah, exactly. I'm like huge 24, motivated. 7, 365. You're the nutrition guy. Oh, every meal you eat is like perfectly partitioned yeah. and colorful. It's like, no, that's not how it works. But like the identity drives the other stuff. So I really like that. I'm going to start using that for sure. Well, I tell you a great quote from uh, Jim Aframal, the sports psych was all about, you know, goals live in the future and your values, which is what we're talking about, live in the present. Mm -hmm. And so that idea of, you know, to your point, you mentioned these different mindful tech, mindfulness techniques that can help us be present. You know, the better clarity we have in our identity and values, the more the more it just kind of pulls us back to being in the present, which, yeah, it's really a, uh, it's a really cool concept. I love it, man. Okay. Last but not least, we got our lightning round. So four fairly short uh -oh, questions. Yeah, man. But your answers can be as long or short as you like. Promise. They're not painful. <laughs> Number one, if you could get every young basketball player you work with to do one thing, what would it be? I'm biased, but eat better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit, hit that daily protein target. Let's start with that. I love that. I love it. Okay, number two. What are the biggest nutritional differences you see between a youth, like a middle or high school age basketball player and somebody that's playing at the highest level? Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, it's that that growth and development means our youth need to consume even more energy than the mm -hmm. pros, which is, again, hard to wrap our heads around, but we really got to fuel them. And I think the irony of the similarities actually, hey, guys in the NBA struggle to eat breakfast too, just like your 12-year-old at home. You know, like there's there's right. still some similarities there as well. I can't tell you how many of my guys will text me 15 minutes before a session and all it says is, will you make me a shake? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Number three, I know you mentioned this a little bit, but talk to me about this basketball course you've created. I'm like really intrigued by that. Yeah, so this basketball performance nutrition course, we're creating these these sports specific courses that actually cross over to you know if you work with athletes, if you want to level up your nutrition, you know this obviously specific to basketball, but really crosses over to other sports. And you know we've got Marie Spano, a longtime NBA dietitian. We got as I mentioned Alex Auerbach, performance psychologist in the NBA, and Frank Garcia, who's at FC Barcelona out in uh, in the Euro League. And so it's really all about you know understanding the demands and the energy systems, and being able to then. You know, know what, what are some of those targets for the macros and the energy? Of course, we get into things like body composition. And then, you know, just as we touched on here, that whole, whole mindset piece, you put three modules in on the mindset side, because whether you're a nutritionist or an S&C coach, I mean, that's, you know, sort of the next frontier in performance, really, isn't yes. it? Of like, if we got all this knowledge, but how do we apply it? How do we get our athletes to apply it? And so, yeah, it's been it's been great fun to uh, to put together. And, you know, the course just went live. We got coaches from, you know, 10 or 12 different countries around the world. So it's, it's been a, awesome. a pretty fun thing. We're going to have some live roundtables as well with, with experts coming in. So, you know, if people want to jump on board, then definitely come check it out. Awesome. And I'll make sure I get a link to that in the show notes. So if you're listening and you're interested, you can check that out. And then yeah. 
we'll give a little discount as well to all oh, your, your listeners yes. as well. So yes. we'll throw the code up there for uh, RTS and they can save $50, $50 off the cost of the course. Generous, man. I appreciate that. Okay, cool. And then last but not least, number four, man, what's next for Dr. Mark Bubbs, man? What are you working on now? I mean, the, the basketball thing's done. What's next? <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully a bit of sleep. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm off uh, next week, actually, uh, to New York for, for a conference for doing some nutrition talks on more on the general health. But uh, now it's been a busy little run. So I think a little rest and recovery. I'll try to practice what I preach here a little bit in the next month, I think. Oh, man. If, if only it were that easy, right? Like, <laughs> you know all the things, but actually doing all of the things can be challenging, right? Hey, man, that's it. Coaches need coaches too, right? That's very much the case. Okay. Well, Mark, man, it's been amazing catching up with you today. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great stuff you're doing? Yeah. I mean, they can find out uh, drbubs.com. I got a pretty unique last name. So check that out. If you go drbubs.com forward slash athletes, you can get all the info there on the basketball performance nutrition course. And uh, yeah, it's just recently launched and it'd be great to, uh, to see people on that. I love it, man. Well, again, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. This is really great. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's episode with Dr. Mark Bubbs. Really hope you enjoyed it. He's such a breath of fresh air because there's a reason I don't bring a ton of nutrition people on the show because I think it's a very polarizing and divisive topic. But I think he does such a great job of kind of drawing this line in the sand of, hey, your fat loss, body composition, gin pop clients have certain needs with regards to nutrition and so do your high-performance athletes. And we can't muddy those waters. And we have to be clear when we're talking about applying nutrition to the people that we're working with, there has to be context involved. And where they're starting at and their specific needs when it comes to fueling are going to be vastly different. So regardless, really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, do me one of two small favors. Number one, if you're not already subscribed to the show, go and do that right now. Wherever you consume podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, the Amazon Store, wherever you download and consume podcasts, go there right now, hit the subscribe button so you know each and every week when a new episode drops. Number two, if you're already a subscriber, appreciate it. Go one step further. Go on to iTunes. Give me a rating and a review. The show continues to grow. I want to get it into as many coaches, trainers, rehab professionals' hands as possible, and ratings and reviews are a surefire way to bump everything up and make sure the show gets in more people's hands. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you, and we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care. <laughs>